And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 394 of This Old Marketing for Friday, September 22nd, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, my pal, my colleague, and a guy who definitely behaves better than a Colorado congresswoman at a Broadway show, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I have no comments on did you, that. Did you have you seen Beetlejuice? Have you got have you gone to Beetlejuice? Yes, I, it was fantastic. I thought, I, I was but, you, but uh, yet you you managed to things during, right yeah, you man, managed, you managed to restrain yourself and not focused. not actually grope the person next you, to you and you, uh, you probably should give a little <laughs> bit more detail because I don't there's some people that may not know what you're talking. About. <laughs> there is a there's a congresswoman from Colorado. Her name is Lauren Biebert. Bobert. Bobert. Isn't it Bobert? Bobert. 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 Qbert. Which it <laughs> Quibby. Um, <laughs> she, yes, uh, was at the uh, a showing of Beetlejuice, the, I guess it's off-Broadway because it's it's the touring company, yes? It's, it's the, the touring, touring company. It's not, broad, but it is the yeah. Broadway show version. The of. Broadway show version of, of Beetlejuice. Uh, apparently, according to the uh, news reports, could not keep herself contained and was vaping, um, doing all kinds of groping with her partner as uh, he sat next to her, bo- and both him to her and her to him, and apparently caused quite an uproar to the point where a woman behind them started to complain, and she then went off on the woman, and then they got kicked out. They actually got the, the congresswoman and her partner got kicked out of the theater because they were causing a disruption. So <laughs> she no, no, just to make sure she was <clears throat> complaining because it was a distraction. She wasn't complaining because she wanted to be part of whatever. Was that is correct. On, right. That is correct. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that is correct. Yes, yes that is correct. It was not it was not it, it was not a FOMO. No, it was not a FOMO. It was. Uh, and apparently were, um, and I didn't know this, that that these shows record the audience. Uh, so they have like it wasn't just that like they have a lot of this on film from the yes yeah from the hall have, itself that <clears throat> they have the security way, cameras is, yeah Beetlejuice is fun it's a I mean it's it's no you know it's no Les Mis or anything like that but sure. it is a fun fun show if you if you get a good person that's doing Beetlejuice which you probably will it's it's a super fun show completely I hear, based on I movie. hear he actually interacts with the audience a little bit. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. Plays with the whole thing and breaks, like breaks the, the fourth wall. Breaks and the fourth wall. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely, and does that whole thing. So, the, the the only comment that I'll make about that whole situation is, and I'm not, I purposely, <laughs> st- I purposely stayed out of the whole political thing because yeah. it's just better. It's not certain- politics. There's no, po- there's zero politics here. This no, was I understand just that. Really keep, stupid. Yeah, but I don't even keep up on who's doing what because when I get a question from some people that I know, then I can honestly say I haven't been following it. And yeah. I want that to be my answer. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. I All haven't right. been following that. I don't have any opinion on it. But this uh, <laughs> senator, senator, right? Is she a uh, senator or is she a No, she's a congresswoman. Congresswoman. Yeah. yeah. She, see, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, she's, isn't she the one that's really all about like strong family values and 
Yes, just, very much so. It's yes. just, it's just odd. It's, it's just strange. It's just yeah. It's just <laughs> it's just odd. It's, it's just odd. It, so, I mean, look, it's not surprising. That's the thing. It's not surprising, but it 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 is, it is odd. But this is what this is what a lot of uh, Congress people that it's it's do what I say, not what I do. Oh, for sure. And, you know, this, you just figure that some of it happens behind closed doors, right? You know, where where it's rumor and innuendo, not 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 broadcast live on a security camera. You would, yeah, you would think there'd be a little bit more, yeah, discretion. Just, yeah, just just even just even to to just to keep it that way, right? I mean, the uh, you know the 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 level of stupidity to do this in public is just sort of it's sort of mind boggling. Maybe you get to a certain point where you, you don't notice other people. If you're so concerned with yourself. That's a great point. That's a great point. You're just like, these other people, like, yeah. Do they really exist? Yeah. Am I part of, am I a matrix of one? That's right. I I, I don't know. <laughs> a matrix Who of knows? one. Anyways, you got to keep that stuff to the AMC where it belongs. You know. Yes, that's right. <laughs> don't that's be, right. Don't be taking keep it to an off-Broadway musical. <laughs> Especially such an esteemed show as Beetlejuice. <laughs> Keep this that stuff to wrong. a general cinemas. <laughs> Speaking of that, are you going to go see the movie uh, Dumb Money coming out? Have you seen uh, this? I've, I've seen the trailers for it. I have not. I, yeah. It looks fascinating. So this um, is Ben Mesereck's yeah, book yeah. on who did the, the Robin uh, Hood, the right? Facebook. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. No, he did the the Facebook um, social network book. Oh, yes. It became yes, a yes, movie. Yes, yes. And now he wrote the book. I don't know what the book's name is, but the movie's name is dumb money and it's about the whole GameStop AMC yeah thing that's getting apparently it's getting really good reviews. So it looks it looks really interesting. I mean it, uh who's in it? Um I'm blanking Seth on Seth Rogan's in Seth it. Seth Rogan uh, uh, but there's Anthony a, Ramos is in it. Yeah. Um I forgot the lead characters. Yeah. Um anyway it'll it'll come but to there us are, there's sure. some there's some stars. There's great power. talent oh, in it. Uh, yeah. what's his name from SNL's in it? Um Pete Davidson? Pete Davidson. Yeah. There Pete you go. Davidson's in it. I can never yeah. remember his name. I can't remember most names. Is it, yeah. uh, you're lucky I can remember your name. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Daniel. That's good. Um <laughs> before and before we get on to before we get on to other stuff, I know you're gonna talk about it later, but a big congratulations on finishing oh, your book. You're very kind. Yes. yes. Um yeah, it's it's out good? it's out in the wild. I feel good. <clears throat> I feel good about it. You gave birth to a Another baby. Uh, yes, that is correct. And it is out in the wild now. It is people are receiving it. Um, I'm getting messages. Uh, and I'll, t- I'll talk about it a little later in, in terms of, you know, why and what and where and how and all that stuff um, just to talk about it. But yes, thank you very much. It, and it I saw, it. yeah, and I, I, I of course, I, I already purchased my copy. It's on the way. Oh, that's very sweet. And, and I'm honored that you chose orange as the cover. Of your book, I mean, I didn't I'm choose it. The publisher here. chose it. The publisher chose it. Um, uh, that you yeah. would make such a decision to to go with orange. Uh, well, here's you, the funny you thing: strongly it's suggesting to your publisher that you go with my color. I think you. Will, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I really, I, I'm without words. Well, you should be honored. Really, truly, <laughs> you should be honored. Here's the thing, though, and I think you'll notice this when you get your copy of the book in photographs. Um, it reads very orange. 
It reads really orange. And, and when you look at it in person, it does not. <clears throat> and when you look at it in person, it's very much of a kind of a uh, almost a burnt yellow, like a sunset color it's rather more than like a, my yeah. my shirt here today. Um, yeah, no, it's a little darker than that. It's 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 more like the background color of your uh, of your Hamilton poster in the back there. Um, and so it's it's. It's it's it, you'll see it's it's different. It, it's it's fascinating to me how it photographs different than it's it like actually. A, it's like a coffee orange. Yeah, that's oh, that's a great way to put it. It's 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 mm-hmm. or a mustard yes. corn sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I think I'd go with coffee orange. I, coffee but orange anyways, is better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thrilled that you you came down uh, came around to, to really embracing the color. Thank you. That, wow. that you've yes. always fought against. I know. For more know. than a decade. I know. People, I just need to. People should know, like, when you get up on stage at Content Marketing World and you have orange on, I always see that I'm like, okay, now he's wearing orange. Now that I'm out (laughs) of the company, now he's gladly throwing all kinds of orange on. I wore orange. You don't even have have anything to say to that. I I, I don't. (laughs) I really don't. I really don't. It's all just just an orange blur, as it were. And I want to know why we have a lot to cover on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we always go over. But um, so two things. One, Uh-oh. your cowboys are amazing. And uh, I'm really, I really, uh, it's fun to watch your, the defense play. Um, especially. They're uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Number four. Who is it? Walker? Who, who's the number four? Who's your. Are you talking about Micah Parsons? Uh, Parsons. Yeah. Sorry. Micah Parsons is. He's is... very exciting to watch. And he's not in the game enough uh, to be. Yeah. I, I think they sit him. <laughs> Too, uh, for too many plays yeah <laughs> uh and and for anyone who watched the the steelers browns debacle game Oof. Uh, which was just it was it's hard the brown it's the most browns way. game of all browns games right i mean it's, well, it's such I, the quintessential browns game i gotta tell you for those of you so you know just to talk a little bit about football but but nick chubb who is arguably the greatest running back i've ever seen in person mm-hmm um, he's he's third third highest run per uh, touch in the history of the NFL, and just one of the nicest guys ever. Had a season-ending injury yeah. that was horrific, and we don't know to this point whether he'll be able to play football again. Yeah, I think it's a career-ending injury. To be well, honest, that's what a lot. Yeah. We, who knows? It's the same injury, apparently <clears throat> the same leg that happened when they thought it was a career-ending injury in 2015 for him. So who knows? Um, just just prayers and thoughts out to to Nick and his family. And, yeah. And honestly, I was numb the rest of that game. I, I didn't feel anything about, uh, you know, yeah. Sean basically giving the game away. Oh, my, well, that's I mean, yeah. so that's as I've said from the very beginning, the Browns defense is for real. The uh, Browns offense is good. Your quarterback is not. And I've never understood that whole thing. Never understood. For even beyond sort of the social, cultural stuff that Deshaun was dealing with and, and, and how all that went down. From just a pure football, you know, uh, strategy, I never understood that acquisition. I, he was ne- he's never that good. He was never that great. Well, and, we 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 put the, the entire franchise in his hands. And yeah, it's show. sad. Yeah showed yes there's there's so many things to talk about this is on the field antics is are odd but but if you just want to talk about football playing i just i saw this a couple days ago it ranks from one to 32 uh quarterback accuracy this year 
<laughs> and number 32 is Deshaun Watson, which he he's he's basically off target on 30% of his passes. Yeah. Like way off target. Um, and even all the rookies are better, better yeah. than this year. That's just, that's why that's why Pittsburgh had a pick six yeah. at the beginning of the game. Because right. he couldn't make the one little anyways. I, yeah. Anyway, you could I'm, go on. So, could... so I know. I'm just so upset about Nick Chubb. Uh, <laughs> well, Kareem Hunt's coming in. You got he's coming back. I I have I'm picking Kareem Hunt by by the way up on my fantasy team. So yeah, I think that uh, I just there's at least you can say that we have upstanding and wonderfully moral people that are leading the Cleveland Browns <laughs> to losing. Uh, Hey, there you go. I have again. I'm in. I'm in my Cleveland natural Cleveland Brown state of depression. Nice. That's all. Nice. I, that's all I can say. Okay. Well, with that, let's get to a happy fun time show. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, absolutely. Happy fun time. Happy, happy fun, fun time. time. Yeah. Happy fun time. Sure. Okay. We do have a wonderful show. We do have a lot to cover because there's there's a bit of news here. <clears throat> the first uh, uh, story that we'll talk about is Elon, of course, Elon Musk. Because why not? Um, and he is considering apparently a monthly subscription for X because, of course, he is. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll talk about how Hollywood Giants, the big studios, fascinating article from Axios, have lost some of their value and what that means in the context of content, of media, of influencers, and, of course, uh, what's going on with the actors and writers and all that kind of stuff. Then um, a fascinating Twitter post. Um, we actually talked about on the show before the the possible, you know, is it mostly dead or just a little bit dead uh, of Scribe? And now the new CEO and Scribe may be just coming back to life and all sorts of things. And how he wrote a post talking about how he accidentally manifested his dream job. Uh, we'll talk about Google. Google's had an interesting week. Uh, they announced that they're going to now require artificial intelligence ads on political ads to have disclosures. <laughs> we'll talk about what that means or quite honestly, doesn't mean. Um, and then there's a really interesting thing going on with uh, Taylor Swift and Google. Um, she basically put out this interesting little puzzle to get all of the titles of her new and upcoming album, the 1989, uh, her version of the 1989 album, which is actually the more interesting topic of her publishing and how she's actually redoing all of her albums she's to get her publishing rights back. back. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and the puzzle may or may not have glitched, and what does that mean for the brand and all those kinds of things. We've got our question from our audience, which is always fun to talk about. And then we'll rant and rave uh, a little bit, and I'm going to talk about my new book and some of the thinking behind it. And Joe is going to rant a little bit about the publishing industry. So <laughs> fascinating. Just, com and just comment. Just, just related. Just a commentary. I don't want to be... Yeah, I don't want to be that guy because I'm already in a ranty mood. All right, I, uh, as good. You can tell. I like it. I yeah, I you dig like it. it when I'm in a ranty mood. My I wife do does not. I do. I she's do. like she's like you have so many blessings. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, <laughs> 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 all right. The audience likes it when you're in a ranty mood. That's for uh, sure. We don't know this either. We yeah. don't. We don't yeah. know, but we'll see after this episode. Okay. So, well, we're, we here, here, we, here go. we go. All right. Well, let's get to our top story here, and that comes to us courtesy of uh, Variety, um, as I know it and love it. It's We always called it the Daily Variety. Um, so, But from Variety.com, and this is, of course, uh, Hollywood um, magazine slash newspaper, and the headline here is, of course, uh, Elon Musk suggests he will charge all 
X slash Twitter users. I just, that rebranding is just sticking so well, Elon. Um, Elon <laughs> suggested he will charge all X slash Twitter users a fee to be on the platform. And the article opens up by saying, Elon Musk may flip the switch to make X the social network formerly known as Twitter. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous now. It's just getting to the actual ridiculous part of this anyway. An entirely subscription-based platform. Musk brought up the idea of charging all users of X slash Twitter during a wide-ranging conversation focused on AI that featured Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday. We're moving to have a small monthly payment for use of the X system, Musk told Netanyahu. Just a very weird place to break that news. Um, claiming it's the only way that I can think to combat the vast armies of bots. His comments were initially reported by Bloomberg's Dave Lee. Musk didn't mention the timing of his plan, nor did he say exactly how much it would cost other than to say a monthly fee of, quote, a few dollars or something that would deter the creation of bot accounts, according to Musk. Um, I think this is non-news because I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I've been wrong about this before. What do you think? Well, it's, um, this is a telegraph move in my opinion. I I think that we could see this coming as, as another thing that Elon tries to do. And, (laughs) uh, so you think he's, you think he's actually, you you think he's actually seeding the well here. You think he's actually like feeling this out to see how people react to it. Uh, I think that, Yes, I think that if enough people react positively to it, he's going to go forward with it. And, and actually, if I, if, if you look at how other businesses, let's just say the New York Times, um, moved their way into the digital model and did it so, okay, you know, you, I mean, we see it all the time with this one. You have five free articles left. You have four free articles. If they did something like that where they didn't completely shut it down, but those people that are paying for it get get unlimited access, and then those people that aren't get uh, you know limited access or whatever the case is. Mm. Then I don't. I mean, it may be the way to go because, as far as I can tell, Twitter X's user base has not grown in a very long time. It is what it is. People who are there are there, and people there's no new people coming in here. It just right. is what it is. So if if they're in for the long haul, and you want to say, oh hey, you want to pay to do this thing, they might get a good conversion rate and it could actually build something of a regular revenue stream and maybe a more vibrant community because Lord knows that he's not doing it through advertising because he's alienated all the advertisers already. There's, I mean, how many people, how many brands are strong enough to be able to take being on X Twitter right now? Not many. That's why they've lost 50% of their advertising. So if that's a big, if, if they want, uh, Elon wants this to be a profitable digital media entity. This is probably something that they should look at, and I don't, I don't have a problem with it now. Whether or not he'll go through with it, who knows? Because Elon throws this stuff out all the time, and half of the time it's meaningless. But I really believe is there could be a model there, and they're already testing it out with. They did it with TweetDeck, which became X Pro, and it's like, oh no, you have to be a Twitter Blue member or subscription, and who know, who knows where they're going with it? Does it and does it really does it ultimately really matter? Probably not. I mean, no. it's, it's, as we talked about, this is the smallest company that's talked more than <laughs> like nobody talks about. Right. The, we we talk about this company more than 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 the Pinterest. ten largest companies in the yeah. world. Uh, yeah. It's just and it's so so small and and seemingly meaningless. But it's yeah. Elon, so we're yeah. interested. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the I mean the the plan is obviously flawed from the start. Not because I, I wouldn't think it would be flawed for new users. And if and if this were a new platform or even a growing platform, I could see this being, you know, I mean, we've talked about it on this show that that a subscription based Twitter was kind of the ultimate idea anyway, right? Yeah. Certainly the the way that you go about it is important. Um, and you know, the, I, I think the opportunity that they had to switch to this kind of model has gone, has passed them by, right? Because you wouldn't have no, uh, launched the premium product first, right? In other words, if you were going to do this from the beginning, you would have, you would have moved it over to a subscription service and then you would have launched the premium service over the top of that to say, and if you get a Twitter blue check, you get X amount of things or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with this is not necessarily that the, the idea of a subscription model, in my mind, the, the, the problem with this is that it requires a conversion. It requires somebody to care enough when they get that email saying, by the way, your access to Twitter is going to go away at the end of the month if you don't go in and put in your credit card and be willing to pay 3 or 4 or $5 a month. So many people are just not going to do it. They're just, they're just not going to do it. And they're, it won't be because they don't, they don't like the service or that they're some sort of, you know, protest against it. It's just going to be because they don't care enough. They don't, they don't care enough to do it, you know, and, and ultimately that will lower the number of people who are actually there and, the and then it becomes it literally becomes like one of these niche social networks, right? It becomes one of these niche little. It um, is a niche social network, right? Well, it is now for sure. It, it, but I th- I've always <clears throat> looked at it. It already is, so I don't know. I mean, if you have two hundred, what do they have? Two hundred fifty million users, something like Who, that. How many yeah, of those right. are real people? We don't right. know, right? Um, and that's one of the reasons why they're doing this because of the whole bot situation, and it will clear out some some bots because the bots aren't going to pay for access to this thing. So, and if they do, then great for Elon. It'll all work out wonderful. We have 50,000 bots paid for this thing. That's that's the title of the show. That should be the title okay. of the show. So you, bots ain't you, bots ain't going to pay. It maybe 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 25 million paid subscribers to X is better. Maybe, yeah, maybe it I, is. I mean, that's I mean, that's such a drop in the bucket. I mean, you know, it's it's such a drop in the bucket in terms of revenue of where they need to be. But yeah, I, it's, well, not if you. I mean, not if you right size the business. Well, true. Ah. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I mean you, there's yeah. nothing wrong. I mean, with it, it does. Be, it becomes a billion dollar business. It becomes a one point two billion dollar business at that. Le- you know, twenty five yeah. at at five bucks a month. Yeah. There you the go. problem is, is we're talking about this because he paid forty billion for it or whatever sure. he paid. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole ridiculous amount that we're all looking back like, why would anybody do that? Right? Because Elon has all this money and he's like, oh, that'd be great. I want to have this little pet project. Yeah. So unlike where you have Bezos buying the the post, which just treated it more like a business, and Elon's True. treating this more like a like an eighth grade science fair. <laughs> so that's the difference. So I don't know. Well, who's the uh, and nothing will probably come of this thing, but I I'm New York Times. I mean, I use the New York Times because I know that model better, but they don't they could say, hey, we don't need everybody in the world getting access to this. We just want our core audience. We want our, the, our loyal readers to get regular access to this yep. thing. And it worked really, really well. 
and they've been very profitable for quite a few years now. And it's so that's worked. So why? Yeah. Well, it took them work? years too. It took them years to make that switch, right? I mean, there's a great, uh, and in fact, it's on the New York Times where they sort of documented their own process. Um, it's a fascinating article. It's a really long fascinating article about how they they sort of documented their years-long process of switching over to a subscription-based model and uh and talked about how they would have discussions all the time about the cost of the printing presses and the cost of all of the distributed local printing presses where they printed the New York Times and how mm -hmm. much that you know and they they were like ah you know we could just rip off that band-aid and stop printing them tomorrow we you know ah we'd cut all those costs and they were like no do it slow do it considered pace and do this you know in the right way and they and they and they they navigated it very well you know to make it to make that transition not so sudden that it freaked everybody out well I mean, Elon does anything and it freaks people out. So yeah, of course. It's a little bit different situation. <laughs> but I guess I guess the point is we don't the business that might be the right business model simply because of the fact that I don't think it's going to be advertising. Yes. Well, it is a business model. They're sure it is. A, it a is business a business model. model. Yeah. I mean, my, at this point, it really is whack-a-mole, right? Like pick one. Like you just, you know, Pick a business model and, and go with it because they're all like you've said many times on this show. They all suck, right? It, it's a it's a crappy business, and so pick well, we'll one. We'll talk about it later in the show yeah. and just talk yeah. about how great the media business is going right now. So, okay. well, well, speaking speak. of which, oh, let's move on go. to our next. Yeah, we we've, we can it. speak to our next story here, which is coming to us courtesy of Axios, and something that you all probably felt. Um, but didn't really couldn't figure out, you know, put it all together. It, they do a really nice job here, sort of a roundup post, if you will, uh, on the Hollywood giant com media companies and their change in stock prices for uh, over the last, well, really sort of the last year, uh, not quite a year, but uh, almost the last year, where all of them are off their highs from earlier uh, in 2023. So the highs were, you know, in the uh, plus 20 percent place. And, and now, you know, they're all down eight, down 12, down 23, down 40. And the article opens up by saying entertainment firms that were once eager to scale are starting to slim down shedding assets and are no longer deemed core to their business. A new wave of consolidation within the media industry is expected next year, but publicly traded media firms need to convince Wall Street and potential deal partners that their businesses are strategically moving in the right direction if they want to make bigger moves. Driving the news is Disney, and they've held talks to sell its broadcast network, ABC, along with local affiliates to local broadcaster Nexstar, uh, as Bloomberg has reported. Uh, and Byron Allen, the media entrepreneur who currently owns the Weather Channel, has made a $10 billion offer to Disney for an asset package that includes ABC, its affiliates, and other linear networks owned by Disney, his spokesperson confirmed. Disney hasn't said it's made any decisions with regard to that, but CEO Bob Iger has said that the company was considering selling off its linear assets as it looks to prioritize parks, streaming, and movies. Um, the article goes on to talk about Paramount as well as Warner Brothers Discovery uh, and NBC Universal uh, that they're going through similar things. So this was fascinating to me from a couple of perspectives, but I'd love to get your take. What I mean, this kind of speaks to what you're going to rant about later, but but you know what what do you, what is your take on this with the media companies? 
the big media model is just the absolute worst business model you can get into today. If you look at the the people, the group of people that big media wants to attract more than anyone else, let's just say that's 18 to 35 year olds uh, that are going out and hopefully buying cars and houses and other things that are starting to get money. Hopefully all those things are true. They're not watching any of these media outlets. They are on TikTok and YouTube and they're not watching ABC folks. So you have a very, you have an older demographic uh, that's not as, tant- that has buying power, but not, that's not tantalizing by any means to advertisers to want to reach that group of people. And it's just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And I, I have no problem, like Disney's move to divest ABC makes perfect sense to me. It, I've, ha- I've heard talks, I don't know if you have, about them doing the same thing with ESPN. And oh yes, rid for of sure. That. Yeah, yeah. So the only reason why, and this is just a Disney specific thing, I always thought that Disney had this opportunity to build out this sports in person sports uh, enterprise, like you would have for for Disney World, like another parks dedicated to ESPN and personalities and all kinds of fun stuff. It doesn't look like they've really never built that out on on the campus at Orlando. They've had some some like fun little projects around ESPN, but they've really never done it. So if they're not going to do it, fine. It's not a critical asset. You can get rid of that as well. Um, so I I don't I think this is just we're going to see another one of these in three months and another one of these in six months. But again, it's tied to the the writers and writers strike as well. Yep. If you look at when the writers strike started. And you look at, let's say, the the stock price of Netflix. Netflix is doing fantastically well. And everyone else who's tied more to writers and talent that way are just struggling. And it's just like like the the horrible hits just keep coming out of these companies. And what are they going to do? Yeah. It's just going to be more and more. I mean, let's just. So if you look at the big why more than anything else and more than the advertising demographic is that there is no competitive moat around any of this you can a competitive content company can start whether it's launched by cisco systems or or aero electronics or any of these companies or you or i yeah we can do so with less resources we can band together with a network uh, of people and and make this thing work and so if you're warren buffett and you're looking at oh i'm going to invest in a media company you'd say never because the first rule is, is there some kind of competitive moat? And there's not. So since there's not, and there is not going to be, and scale doesn't really work to your advantage in this model, it is just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And so we're going to uh, we're going to have a billion media companies, and you're going to yep. have these big ones that are just going to struggle to scale. So that's hundred percent. Well, no, it's. I mean, look, it's simple math, right? I mean, this is the <laughs> this is this is the challenge. And it's why, you know, I think, you know, I mean, look, I'm not anti-union at all, but I think both the writers and the actors here have done themselves no favors by picking them, picking this time to, to strike Um, because the math just doesn't work. 
And so, as I've said from the very beginning with regard to the strike and with other stuff, be careful what you ask for because you'll probably get it. You're probably going to get it. They're, they will probably get what they're asking for with the exception of, I think, the 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 transparency and the subscribers. And by the way, they had a big meeting this week of the CEOs of Netflix, of Disney, of NBC Universal. Um, they all they like personally met with the uh, negotiating teams this week, literally yesterday, as we as so we get your act as we record let's this. Go. Let's make let's get basically they're saying, done. yeah, let's get a deal done here because it's in nobody's best interest for them to continue to strike. Um, and I think they're basically, my opinion, and this is, tar- I have no inside information here, but my, my opinion is they're going to walk in and go, you want more money? We'll give you more money. Um, but we're not going to be transparent about this, about the streaming thing. Cause that's just, that's just, it's, it's core to our business model that we have to be able to do that. <clears throat> so here's the thing, but do the, it's just simple math. Disney, take Disney plus, for example. Disney Plus, 146, I think is my last count, 146 million users paying 15 bucks a month, right? That's $2 billion. They spent $33 billion last year in content for streaming. Yep. So even if you don't believe that, right? Even if you go, oh, okay, that's, that's probably overstated. Okay, let's half that, $15 billion. It doesn't work. The math just doesn't work. Right, spending fifteen billion dollars a year on content and getting two billion dollars a year of revenue just doesn't work. So unless you're exponentially growing the subscriber base, which is just not happening because of the number of streaming services out there, the quantity of content that's out there that people just don't need. Quite honestly, you just there's not enough credit cards in the world to support this model. It's just not, well, and so. It, it's it's ultimately going to come down to you have to be gihugic and really right size your business, really right size the streaming business. And basically, what does that mean for us as consumers? It means a lot less new content than we've been getting. Right? We've been getting, you know, this has been the golden age of you know the last five years have been the golden age of streaming. It will go down in history that this was an incredible incredible abundance of content that we got as consumers that just won't happen again with this business model because it just can't. The math doesn't work. Well, what's the, who are the the two largest media companies by viewership, media entities, let's say by viewership right now, one is TikTok and two is YouTube. What do they pay for content? Zero. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How do you compete against that? It, it's just, it's just very, very difficult. And that's why you have to get smart. We've talked, I mean, this is where you get to content marketing and I have to really focus on uh, an underserved niche. And I become the, the leading expert in this by, by distributing this amazing content to that group of people over a long period of time. It's not easy to do. That's right. It is very challenging to go up against free. Yeah. Um, so that's why you have to be smart about it. But so if you are a horizontal media company, like a Disney, like a Warner brothers, like a, uh, what is what's the other ones that are ABC? You're like, jeez, this is, and, and so what, that's why when you look, what's going on? What what's the 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 number one, two, three, four product on ABC right now? They're all reality shows, right? That's right, because they're cheap <laughs> to produce. Cheapest, they're, it's they're, the cheapest to right. produce. It's the cheapest to produce, right? You know, so you're not going to get your, you know, seven or eight or ten new A level you know, $500 million, $800 million productions of Game of Thrones or Ahsoka or 
Andor or any of the Marvel titles, et cetera. You know, those, you know, people forget that when, when it was just movies, like think about it from just as for, from just the movies perspective, you know, the, the number of that the movie studios would produce every year was four, you know, three or four of those size movies. They would produce a lot of, you know, the slate of movies from a, a major, a major movie studio might be, you know, 20 or 30 in a year. Um, and then, and then four of those would be big, you know, one for every season, right? Your spring blockbuster, your summer blockbuster, your holiday blockbusters. And those would be your big movies, right? The ones that you would spend hundreds of millions of dollars on producing. And so your total expenditure for those movie studios, those for those, for that content might be a couple of billion dollars, two or $3 billion. We've, it's 10 X that now it's the, the, that the studios have been spending on trying to take their share of the of the market in streaming and it's just not sustainable it's just not sustainable and so what's going to end up happening here is is that they are going to say they're going to right size those businesses they they just have to and there will be a lot of consolidation and merger to happen um because the big businesses work if they're really big or they're really small you can't sort of be in the middle and so if you're really big, you can diversify across theme parks and all the kinds of things that you can yep. diversify against. But if you're really small, you can also do, you know, you can be a little bit famous, right? You can be a little bit good at what you do. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, in all of the different aspects of it. Definitely a one percenter business. For yeah, sure. for sure. Absolutely. These days, for sure. Yeah, yeah. a one percenter or a literally a, a a just be a little bit tiny, right? You know, just mm-hmm. be a little, you know, and that's content marketing, right? Just, you know, when you operate as a media company, even if you, that is your core business as a media company, you can create a, a, a good small business, but it's really hard to create a good middle-sized business. You know what I mean? It's, and that's the, that's the, that's the tough part because it's just hard to scale, really hard to scale these days. Well, at least, I mean, the, we knew it was coming. We've talked about it forever. You can't spend, you know, these companies combined can't spend $150 billion on content when the market <laughs> is one-fifth that size. That's that. right. Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. All right. Moving on to our next story here, which is actually some good news um, in the world of media um, or, or sort of certainly in independent media. So yep. this is, we're going to link to a uh, blog or a blog post. I was really a LinkedIn post uh, from Eric Jorgensen um, who basically writes a long blog post about how he was a writer um, and a writer of books um, and Basically, you know, un- got some friends who back in 2021 said, hey, listen, this whole scribe thing where you published your book uh, is going out of business. And so he calls the CEO and basically calls the CEO and says, hey, what's up? You're, go- you're going out of business. And the CEO says, nah, we've had financial troubles and things are not going that great. Um, but basically, Eric had some contacts in the venture and uh, the uh, you know uh, money, basically, space and said, yeah, you should invest in this thing and make it a, a real deal. And they said, okay, but you have to be CEO. And so he basically, as he writes in the post, manifested his dream job now as the CEO of Scribe Media. And as he said, we're doing really well. I mean, and I think this is a fun success story. It's a fun, like, lovely, wonderful success story. You are super close to this space now. What do you, what do you think about all this? Well, I, I'm so first of all, the more um, organizations that can help 
creators get their books out is fine by me. I, I, I love that. I, the, the most tragic part about scribe media going under when it was putting together these professional books for people yeah. in, in a lot of cases, <clears throat> writing a lot of that material, but, but putting the whole creation and distribution process together, um, the, that those authors were without project. It's like, Oh, it's gone. It's like my, my project was gone. So there, I had, there were hundreds sort of in the pipeline. And then you're like, Oh, okay, well, what do I do now? So now I'm glad that this is going uh, good on Eric for seeing that there's a model still here. It's a challenging model, but it's one that I think that is needed. I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end of this podcast about sort of my feelings about the traditional book publishing process. But um, we need this. This is great. More the better. Um, I hope they're successful. Um, there's just not enough where it's more of the roy the royalty free publishing process uh, where where you don't have to worry about royal royalties coming in from your book publisher. You sort of have a services group help you get your book and everything ready, and then you take it. You take them all. You take all the profits. I, that's that's the model that I think is the future future that's coming. I think that's the model that Scribe uses. So I would like to see more of that. I hope they're they're successful. Obviously, is there's no secret where until publishing, we're trying to do something similar to that specifically for content creators. Yeah, uh, and and so this is I don't know if you consider this any kind of a competitive thing. They they do a little bit more on the editorial side than we'll do. I don't know exactly how the model is going to work right <clears> now, but. But all I know is that you and I talk to creators all the time that they're really good at their YouTube channels and their podcasts and their newsletters. And you you say, OK, you're ready to write your book. And they're a deer in the headlights. They, yeah. they just don't understand the process at all. And so the more companies that can help authors do that, creators do that, the better. Yeah, well, I think this will feed into your <clears throat> your commentary a little later. But, you know, I think this is. We talked a little bit about this last show when we talked about the idea of Amazon getting rid of their, you know, their their periodicals, right? Which is yep. the need for an independent market um, is high, right? And and it gets right to everything we've been talking about in this show, right? The need for, you know, in order for the bigger businesses to survive, they need the smaller independent businesses, and vice versa. Um, and so um, there needs to be alternatives to to this, um, to the, you know, the big publishing machine and things like Lulu and, you know, Tilt Publishing and, and Scribe, these are all, these are all good alternatives for independent publishers to do things and create a marketplace, a viable marketplace for those small content creators, you know, and businesses to, to, to thrive. Because what does that, I mean, it, it really, what does it, do, it does is, is gives people the, uh, the demand it creates demand for more content and which creates demand for more content which then creates demand for bigger higher produced content so if i were a big company i'd be i'd be funding these things i'd be uh i'd be i'd be getting behind these things from a you know from way in the back and you know launching little micro businesses here to help these content creators do this thing because it's it's like your b team right it's like your you know it's, ah, it makes me so angry because i i i i, I <laughs> So all the way back in the day, when I was uh, I was a consultant at a big web shop called US Web in two thousand in two thousand one, and my first job in that big consulting firm, my, the first job they gave me was to fire all the small clients. 
basically everybody that was a sub $1 million client, my job was to fire them because they were considered too costly, basically, to, to, to continue on. And so I, I became, by the way, I became like the hero of Los Angeles because I basically walked around and gave all these small agencies, um, you know, clients, right? Like big, you know, <laughs> meaningful clients. So I got to know all the local agencies in town uh, and got taken to lunch a lot. Um, and so it was, it was a really kind of a fun job. But the point was I pitched, what I said was, I said, let's not do that. Let's, let's create a little incubator where we bring in sort of our B-level or young talent, put them into a content studio and a website building studio and foster their talent by working on that. Their low cost will foster their talent and by working on these you know, sort of B-level clients. And that'll create demand because it creates better content and better, excuse me, better businesses that will ultimately become A-level clients. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nah, we don't like that business model. So it's, it's, it's that, right? It's just creating that, that, that level. It's, it's, I don't know. There's, there's something there. There is something there. We're going yeah. to talk more about it. Yeah. Okay. Whether All right. Today or not, we don't know. It All might right. Be. Very, very quickly here. Let's just do a, a, a quick, uh, lightning round here on um, uh, on a, an article that came to us courtesy of Marketing Brew, um, which is Google is now going to require AI disclosures on political ads, which is kind of laughable at its face. But uh, the article opens up by saying, Google is stepping up AI regulation ahead of next year's presidential election in the U.S. Political ads will be required to disclose when they feature, quote unquote, synthetic content, such as AI generated visuals or sound per an update to the company's political content policy. According to the policy, which will roll out in November, advertising that inauthentic, this is a quote, inauthentically depicts real or realistic looking people or events will need to disclose that it's been synthetically altered in a clear and conspicuous fashion where it is likely to be noticed by viewers. The update applies to audio, image, and video advertising across Google's platforms, ad display network, and YouTube. Uh, it's the article goes on for a little bit longer to talk about some of the details there, but they're not much more details other than basically some examples what, what, of this that have happened. What is where it is likely to be noticed by viewers I, mean? The, I don't know. What is I mean, that? Is, so if it, well, the, what if it wasn't likely to be noticed? Is it okay? Right. Yeah. So if you can completely fool them with AI and nobody would notice, it's okay. Yes, that's no. right. It's just, just dumb. Uh, but well, it's. I know it, what they're trying. We know what they're. Trying I know to do. that they're trying to do, and it's and it's, it's totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yes, they should be applauded. Yes. for trying to say don't do any of this AI, fully AI stuff, and and deep fake people on that. I get that. We want that to happen. We don't. We I, and don't that's what they're really trying to get to, right? They're trying to get to the deep fake thing, right? They're trying to get to somebody's likely, you know, so one of the candidates is likely to take another candidate's speech. And put AI voice to it, or put AI, you know, put a deep fake thing to it, and have them saying some things that goes viral on social media, et cetera. But that's the point. It won't be a paid ad. You know what I mean? This will, all of this stuff that's going to happen in AI won't be paid for. It'll be spread organically. They don't need to do paid advertising for this. It's going to be spread organically. So this is a little bit, again, like we talked about last week, it's sort of, again, 
a bit like putting your finger in the dam when there's 14 other holes in the dam. It's like, yay, good for you. You've plugged the one useless hole that, you know, that's, that's leaking with the water. But I, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I understand why they're doing it, but it's just, it seems so, uh, this is fruitless. more of a this is more of a CYA move. Sure, this is well, themselves. yes, it's virtue signaling, but 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 yeah, yeah at its at its core. But, but I don't yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I it's don't not going to be effective. It is because, definitely not going to be effective because AI or not, when you cut these things up, they always make it sound like people are doing things they're not <laughs> supposed to be doing. Right. They'll take a little sound bite and they look at he said it. Right, but you don't realize what they said it around. Right. So what, what? Who cares if it's that or if it's AI? You're still right. trying to depict something that's not true. And so and so, what Google is ostensibly doing is basically telling the candidates, "Go do it, but just don't pay for it. pay us to do it." Right? They're they're say, they're saying do it because it can be done, but don't pay us to do it because you can go you can you can go viral someplace else. I'm. I t- already talked to my wife about this. I want to be out of the country. <laughs> next november i don't is. even want to be around any of this is that okay we'll have to we'll have to work out our podcast a little okay. bit differently because right. yeah, i'm not we'll... going to be in the states okay all right well we'll figure that out where are you gonna go uh if you have right re- anyone has recommendations i i'm totally well if it's if it's october november it has to be somewhere warm maybe bermuda where they will okay. find me sure Nobody bermuda Bermuda, October, November, Bermuda, Hawaii would be good. Yeah, Hawaii. Hawaii would be would be would be good. And I and I'm I'm liking. I'm, boy, they're they're struggling with mm. a lot of places struggling with stuff right now. Yeah, that's absolutely it's, uh, right. It's crazy. All right, do oh, you want to cover the Taylor Swift thing very quickly, or or we, should you know we what? just jump we, right into our we question? Can co- no, we can cover it. I I think what we should do is because we should probably we'll do Paris's question next episode. Let's okay, do that. That's fantastic. Is that good? Yes. Paris, yeah, that's great. We'll cover it next week. Yes. Thank you for the yeah. for the uh fantastic. Whatever. All right, yeah, let's fantastic. yeah. So so what's what's this Taylor Swift thing? So okay, here we what's go. Up? So 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 this comes to us courtesy of NBC News, WNBC. Um <laughs> basically Taylor, I can't I can't not do it. Um Taylor Swift reveals 1989 Taylor's version vault song names after a day of Google game glitches. That is one headline that I did not have on my bingo cards this year. Um the article opens up by saying Taylor Swift fans unlocked a surprise on Wednesday morning after seemingly breaking Google's search function, which the pop sensation used to create a virtual Easter egg hunt uh, to reveal her new 1989 Taylor's version track titles. Let's be clear, Google created it. She did not. Um, I do not see Taylor sitting down and coding in front of a Linux machine trying to make sure all this stuff happens. Although, I bet she can do it. I'll bet she if can. Anyone can. If anybody can code up My money's some on good, Taylor. yeah, some C plus plus, it's Taylor that woman Swift. Can do anything. Uh, she really can. Um, anyway, so basically, the way it works, I guess I did not. I'm not a Swifty, so I don't understand. I went or, to it. Did you? I, I did. Okay. Yeah, I went. You, in so you go to Google. In. And you type in Taylor Swift. Yeah, you type in Google. And you Google, would Google. unlock like little puzzle pieces, like and, little uh, Easter eggs. I'm actually, I'm showing it what it looks like on the screen right now. It's, okay. It's like a safe and it drops on this. And then it all this, all these, some of the songs show. And then after it's done doing the little preview, it, it starts giving you puzzles so you can f- figure out and you, it'll give you hints and you've got to type them in the search bar to get the other stuff. Okay. So does, does Taylor pay for that or does Google do that sort of as a does Google come to her people and go, hey, we got an idea. It'll be fun. We'll do something and 
basically we'll do this little game. It'll be fun. We'll get more search traffic. You'll get you'll get awareness. Like you need awareness. Um, you I know. think Google. I think Google reached out. I think that uh, I have it. We were yeah. You and I were talking before the show. Did she pay for this? I can't imagine she would pay for this. I just can't. She doesn't I, I, need it. No, right? she doesn't need it. Um, she's already causing earthquake type tremors in most cities where she goes. So why is she right? She doesn't need Google to do this. I think the Google team went to her and said, we'd like to do this thing. And they, they worked it as a, as a nice partnership. So it's kind of like in a weird way, it becomes kind of an influencer marketing or a content marketing approach for Google. That's what I think. I think Google reached out to a creator and said, we'd like to do this. And they were like, have at it. This is great. And then then they worked in all the things and Taylor did did her post on Instagram and it was wonderful. That's lovely. That's it is that's, lovely. I'm it is. I'm 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 so pleased. I'm pleased for I'm pleased for Google. I'm pleased for Taylor. She needed more publicity. I'm so, she's really, really been hurting when it comes to well, marketing and didn't she and, break I mean with the with the glitching and stuff like that, she almost broke Google. Well, I they definitely broke the thing. I don't think they broke Google, but they broke the little app, you know, that you know, which is interesting that they that they that they that they broke the little app because there were so many people searching. Yeah. Um but they probably didn't even break the app. They probably just had there was probably so much traffic that the app was just struggling to keep up. Um and so it's not broken necessarily. It's just like they didn't. I mean, they probably didn't even realize how uh, how popular this thing would be because the server got too hot. <clears throat> that's it, right? Yeah. Can you imagine that? It's like what's it went down. What happened? The server's too hot. <laughs> what? Server, it's Taylor again. Too hot. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> the server's too hot. Uh, I've seen that movie. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that movie as well. All right, let's get to our rants and raves here uh, so we can get out of here, uh, yeah. which is a you know a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, oh, I don't know, makes us feel like uh, Lauren Boebert at Beetlejuice or makes us feel like we're the woman behind Lauren Boebert. Did you really, the, like, we really want to feel like Lauren yeah. Boebert? You know, she feels pretty good about herself. You know, if you if you watch her in interviews, she's she's maybe that's she's it, not sorry. You know what I mean? She's maybe, not. You know what I mean? Maybe she has the key to life. It's yeah, just right. Saying, it's all about me. Yeah. Everything else that's going on. And I'm, I'm just joking. Anyway, I don't yeah. think that is the key to life. But I think that's how some people lead their lives. And I like, think it is too. Bliss. I, I know some people too. that do this. I do too. Like, if it if it's not happening around them, then it doesn't That's right. exist. They're and, called narcissists. Yeah. yeah. Good and good on yeah. yeah. Yeah, we know a few. We do. We do indeed. All right. Not what do you uh, d- yeah, you am go, I going you first? Go, you go first okay. because this is big news. Well, it's 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 semi big news. Um it's big news for me. I don't know how big the news is for anybody else, but yes, I wrote a new book. Um so uh I'll, on video here, I'll just show it here on video so you can actually see the camera do the autofocus. I should do that. Um Ooh. and so yeah, it's it's uh, I'm super excited about it because it represents so 
somebody asked me and 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 I really thought about my answer here. They said why, you know, why another book on content marketing? By the way, the <clears> name <throat> of the book is is content marketing content strategy marketing strategy, by right? Robert so it, Rose. it could not be any more on the nose about what it is. And so it, they said why, you know, why another book on content marketing hasn't enough been written on that? Absolutely 100% enough has been written um, on the topic. However, what I've noticed over the 10 years that I and you and all of us have been working on this with clients at events and trainings and keynotes and all the things we've done is that 98% of it is either about the content, how to create great, wonderful, amazing content that's you know engaging and thoughtful and educational and entertaining and all those kinds of things, or it's about marketing which is how to look at marketing and how, to, how does it affect you know, the marketing strategy and SEO and all those kinds of things. And what really there hasn't been a book about yet um, is the strategy and the, the, a, book, a, stra- a book about strategy. And that's what I really wanted to write was a, you know, I sort of, I leaned very heavily into Michael Porter's definition of strategy, which is how the activities we perform every day fit together in a differentiated way. In other words, how do we perform the same activities everybody else does, but either perform them in a different way or do different things in our business that actually makes our business different, has competitive advantage. And that to me has always been what is the secret sauce of any good content marketing approach is that it's not about the content. The content doesn't differentiate you and it's not about your marketing strategy because ultimately your marketing strategy changes from month to month to quarter to quarter to year to year. But what differentiates you in the long term is building the operation, not just acting like a media company, but actually becoming a media, the operations of a media company. And this what company, you know, when we look at the real success stories that get mentioned every, you know, ad nauseum at every conference, Cleveland Clinic and Red Bull and Lego and Kraft and all these companies that do such a great job at this, it's not that they have a better marketing strategy, it's that they have a better content operation than anybody else. And they actually treat it like a strategic function in the way that they, the people, the processes and everything. And so that's what this is. It's a geeky book about process. It's about, it's about the, the activities that we perform, how to measure, how to create, how to structure our teams, how to structure our workflow and our governance and all those kinds of things. And so hopefully it'll be valuable. It, it represents really the last 10 years of my life in terms of, you know, the consulting that we've done, the education that we've done, all the work that you and I have done together and researching the books that we've written together. And so hopefully it's also my last book on content marketing as well. So there's that. So yeah, I'm super proud of it. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I already, as I said, I already purchased it. It's on the way. Yep. And uh, I'm looking forward to going through it. And Yeah. And by the way, we're launching as uh, alongside of it, contentmarketingstrategy.com, which I paid a pretty penny for, I will tell you. Did you um, for the domain? For the domain of that. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I paid a pretty penny for that. And now, so that's going to be a new business line for me uh, where I'm launching coaching. Um, so personal executive coaching, um, as well as... Uh, access to all the stuff in the book that I mentioned, you know, frameworks and templates and stuff like that that I talk about in the book. So it's not only just a book's website, but it's also going to be a place where you can go and get practitioner level uh, or executive level coaching from me. And you can you can buy it right there on the website. Contentmarketingstrategy.com. That's it. Contentmarketingstrategy.com. All right. Everybody needs to go there. 
Yeah. Because we know how many people, you know, you know, you need help. You need I, Robert's help. There it is. I don't need Robert's help. No, you, you don't. You don't. Help. You don't. I you don't. You definitely don't need. My I help. just enjoy talking to you. Yeah, that's right. I, you give. Yeah, you give. You give me free coaching. Yeah, of course. For life. Yeah. Um. So mine. Uh. I don't. I. I don't even know Robert if this is a, a, a rant or a rave or, <laughs> or what what this is, but um, what I. This is about the publishing business in general, and especially as I've been working with more and more of these content creators out there, wonderful people, and looking at their business models, I've been noticing, this is nothing new, but if you look at podcasters or YouTubers or they're on TikTok or Instagram and you start looking at the business model, they don't have assets of any kind. And what I mean by that is that their content distribution what, what they send out is controlled by another entity, those companies I just mentioned, and they don't get any data as well. So they don't get, uh, any, let's just say, an email address of anybody that's watching them. They don't get that direct connection. And when you don't, when you don't control the data and you don't call the, control the distribution, you really don't have any assets to do anything with in the future. Let's say that you would like to sell or you would like a significant partnership with another company. It's very hard to have any leverage and I know it's been like that for a long time, but but as, as you and I know, as we were starting in 2006, 7, 8, 9, and we started with blogs and we started with our mm. website, we actually started with some assets. We had the content on our site. We can control distribution. We started with email newsletters and we got opt-in permission and their data to distribute that and we could build these things out. And um, so that that's the whole thing. That's one thing that concerns me, but it then it leads into the next thing as I'm getting into this whole chapter of figuring out, as we talked about before on the show, this new publishing model, if there is one, the power. And I, I was ranting on Amazon last time and I'm not ranting on Amazon, but I'm concerned. And so hearing scribe media do what they're doing and what we're doing with tilt publishing, I think is necessary because as more and more authors like you and like me, we build these things, we're giving every piece of data and distribution control over to other companies. And I think it's tragic. And I don't think we're paying attention, to be honest. I think we need to start figuring out. And, and I'm doing this myself. For example, somebody asked me, I, so The Will to Die, my novel that I published in 2020, uh, I published with CreateSpace on Amazon. So basically self-publishing on Amazon. The, the problem is, is when I sell a copy on Amazon, I get one, it says you sold one unit. I don't know who that is. And Amazon <laughs> takes a big portion of that. Sure. Yeah. This is a, this is a problem. And I'm and so I'm trying to figure out, okay, here's where one thing I have control over. I need to make sure that I set it up. So my fan, my couple of fans that I have out there that want to buy this thing, they want to support me. That's great. I need to send them a link to something where I have control over how that thing is going to be distributed and the data. And I get that from that person and I get that information that I can do all sorts of wonderful things. I can remarket to that person. I could get them involved. Like for you, I could see that you could do that. You see that by the book, if you had that data with your book, you could offer them coaching or something else. It inhibits not being not having access in that way to that data or that distribution is going to kill us in the long run and i think we have to start doing something so you and i are talking about this we're trying to make people aware we're trying to do things differently but my 
uh, plea is to everyone out there that is a buyer who, who you have people that you are a fan of. And I would just ask that when you are going to buy a book or you're going to, um, you're supporting somebody on YouTube or a podcast like this one, you subscribe to the, our stuff. So like if you are a regular listener of This Old Marketing, that you go into the show notes and you subscribe to Robert's newsletter and you subscribe to my newsletter because it really means a lot for our business models. And I'm not just saying that for us. I'm saying that for all creators. Yeah, for sure. And I think we have to do the same thing for authors. It's just like, don't just... And I know in a lot of cases, like with your with our publishing models that we've been doing for decades, a lot of our stuff is hooked to Amazon. We've just It's just the way that the publishers we've worked with have done it. So you go to Amazon for the most part, or you go to Barnes and Nobles and you buy that stuff. And who's, who's not uh, benefiting from that? Most part, it's the author. You get a little bit of money, but you don't get any of that other stuff. So yeah. as buyers, we need to educate ourselves and say, just stop for a split second and say, how can I help this person that I'm a fan of and help their business model. And it's probably through subscribing to their newsletter or seeing if they sell direct in some way. It's probably on their website, which I need to work on and move my stuff over to. So that's, you know, I don't know if this is a is, is a rant or rave or whatever, but I think it's just an acknowledgement that we have to start doing things differently as buyers. So that'll help all the content creators with their business models, which I'm scared for because we talk about it all the time, but it's happening more and more. Like, oh, hey, what if TikTok does get banned? What sure. if YouTube does change their algorithm? What if Mark Zuckerberg and Instagram continues to do stupid things? Like, yeah. what happens to those creators? Yeah, but what if Amazon gets out of the book of business? Yeah. What if that's a great, that's absolutely true. Cause they might say, ah, it's not. The book business isn't great. Yeah. To, so they might. Why they is might. Amazon in the book business, by the way? Because <clears throat> yeah. of the data, because of the mounds and mounds and mounds of data. Bezos was smart enough to know that getting into the book business wasn't going to make him into the billionaire, multi-multi-billionaire he is today. It was, oh, we can get all this data, and then we can launch all these businesses off the back of that, which exactly. they've done better than most. Exactly. So, anyway, that's, yeah. my, that's my thing. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's got a lot for me to think about as well as I start thinking through the the marketing, the distribution of my book and and all the things that I'm thinking about right now, including by the way, the audio version of it. So it's, uh, it's but it, I mean, just between like you and I, like uh, if we're having a conversation author to author and I'm thinking about all my books and I'm like, okay, well, how do I, I right now with most of my books and the agreements I have, I can't do this. I can't sell direct where I can package a deal unless I want to buy, which I'm really not supposed to do buy bulk from the publisher and then sell and distribute, which is a pain on my own website. Sure, of course. These things together. Well, you have to put up the cash for that, right? You have to yeah. put up the. You have to. You have to take the lead and buy, you know, a hundred books or whatever, and then put it on your website. And then when you sell ninety of them, you have to go buy more, right? You have to become. You have to get into the wholesale business. It's. It's. Sounds you know. It's, yeah. I was it's talking crazy. with. Yeah, I was talking with an author the other day. I'm like, isn't it nuts that you put all this work and effort into it, and you're going to send an email to your fans to buy your book, and you're sending them to Amazon where you get no data and minimal profit? Right. What are we doing? Right. Like it's. Anyways. Yeah. So that's. Eh. Ah, welcome to being and, an author in 2023. Yeah. There we yeah, go. But there's a better way, and that's what we're there working on. There is a better on. way, so, and we will. Indeed. So. All right. Well, uh, 
so we're you and I are in DC next week. We're so DC. you know, cool. it'll be fun. We'll get to hang out. It'll be content marketing world. It's gonna be Yay. it's gonna be a hoot nanny. Shenanigans abound. Um, and we have a special episode next week um, yes, we where will. we'll get to. Uh, but uh, but yeah, any, any, anything else happening before before you before you head out to Washington? Well, I got uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to to being in. D- I mean, of course, I've I've told people I'm a little bit sad it's not in Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland homer. I yeah, totally get why why the city changed. They kept it in Cleveland for a long time, and I'm always thankful for that. Uh, it'll be great to see a lot of friends and colleagues, yeah. uh, and and especially a lot more international people. It's a lot easier to get to to DC, sure. so that's great. And then, you know, travel. Se- you know, speaking season is upon us, so I'll do that. And I'm going yeah. to marketing Pros B to B after that. I got got a couple other speeches going on. Yeah. So I, it is. I didn't get an invite year. this year to uh, to to marketing profs B to B. Did you fill out? I wasn't. I wasn't. Submission I, I was not invited to do that either. So you you do know it exists, right? You I didn't do know, know you that could it, go into the site. And I, I've spoken <laughs> so many. Did you? Yes. You went. You actually proactively went and filled out a speaker submission yes. form. They didn't did. call you and say, nope. "Hey, we would like you to speak." I filled one out, and you know, here this is true story. Uh, m- most of the time, I would wait. Okay. I would be like, hey, they didn't ask me. So like, man, I'm not yeah. doing anything. Uh, my wife wants wanted to go to Boston. Boston. Wanted, okay, that's what I wanted it is. to go All to right. marketing profs. And there she said, you have to speak at marketing profs because I want to go to Boston. And I said, All right, I'll fill out the form and maybe they'll accept me. Okay. And they did. Yeah. But I did you. fill it out. Good for you. I did not. I did I did not know that it existed. <laughs> Nor did I, nor 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 was I made aware that it existed. So it's my bad. I'm I'm not suggesting that it's anybody's bad except for my own. But yeah, there we go. All right, okay. let's All let's right. get the hell out there of here. That we're done. Um, done. All right, everybody, we will see you again next week. We have a special episode for you. It's going to be really fun. We're going to talk about uh, content marketing world and all the things that we've uh, we've got planned for speaking on all of that. So until we see you next week, just remember, everybody, it's your story to tell. You tell it well, and we'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.